Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. Well, I think a charming guy in Alfonso. Oh, lovely bloke, lovely bloke. I mean, just so humble. Um achieved so much in a relatively short time he's 38 years old yeah i mean and he looks very mellow i mean it's just i love mm. i love this whole sort of like demeanor and relaxed way and what he's done and how he's achieved that was great and i think the structure of how he's built his his life and how he runs his week is designed for alfonso he doesn't yeah. subscribe to yeah. you know uh, what common thinking is yeah. of what you should be doing he does it his way and it's working for him. Mm. And he's obviously bringing a tribe with him because yeah. number of practices, got Definitely. his academy, a very impressive individual very, yeah. and, no, and, and likeable too. Yeah, and do what you like. I think that was the thing I got from Alfonso was do what you like and what mm. you're interested in and then everything else follows. But also listening to his childhood and when he went to university and kind of almost breaking ranks from what was the expected mm. tradition, that put him on that trajectory yeah. and path for what has brought him huge success in dentistry yeah. so far and for someone so young. So what is it, nature or nurture? Exactly. No, yeah, brilliant. brilliant, really good. So welcome everybody to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we're delighted. We are joined by Alfonso Rao. And Alfonso is the co-founder of Apollonia Clinics at Apollonia Clinic, born in Italy, but now based in Bristol. And until 2009, he worked in hospitals in Italy as an oral surgeon before moving to England. He's an implant specialist, an owner of eight practices, and also the Delta Dental Academy. Welcome, Alfonso. How are you? Yeah, Hello. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, and yeah, I'm really well. We are saying it's a beautiful and sunny day today in Bristol. So everyone's mood is improved and seems almost that we are in Italy. So perfect day. Yeah, yeah. We, all, all we need, all we need is a glass of something like a pecorino or, yeah. A, yeah. or a suave or something. <laughs> that, that, that would suit, wouldn't it? That would be Usually nice. before midday, it should be just like, you know, cafe covette. So coffee with draft. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, oh no, it's after midday. No, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went through the introduction, Alfonso, it's, it's it's hard to believe you've you've only been in the UK for for twelve years. Yet you've already done so much. We'll, which we'll get to as we talk. But take us back to your childhood. What was growing up in Italy like? How did how did life start for for the young Alfonso? And where? Yeah. Um. So again, I will, I'm. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, I'm Italian and I was born uh, in Italy, in Caserta. Um, really a nice town, not far from Naples. So like it's uh, 10 miles from Naples, so even less. Um, I've been there since I was, uh, until I was 18. So I did all my, uh, up to my high school in there. And then um, uh, moved to uh, Pescara, where I did my university. And, you know, probably... In the Italian culture, that's quite different. And uh, I find in UK, it's normal that you move outside to the university. But in Italy, it was already something different. Because most of the people that tend to do the university in the city where they are raised or where they are born. Um, and I'm coming from a uh, um, medical background in the family. And I'm, I, I, I'm the only child. 
So at the time was kind of almost like a big deal that I was leaving my town to move uh, mm. somewhere else through the university. But um, it's been great because obviously, you know, be uh, when you're 18 outside your house and, um, and mm. meet more people and live on your own. Uh, I think it's something that really helped you to... Uh, how, far, how far away was that university? Alfonso was, uh, it was it probably about 300 miles so it was about you know, oh, wow. so, yeah, yeah. three hours drive from home right mm. so already as a young man you're doing things differently yeah yeah if 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 if, if, lo if, if, if it's just interesting that if locally people tended to stay within their small community and they went to the university so they could stay near home you know as a young man you're already breaking those rules and you're going somewhere else and, and doing things differently is that was that kind of a common theme in your childhood? Yeah, I mean, I um, I, I strongly believe uh, in, you know, when something has to happen, tend to happen. And uh, the way that you get to the university in Italy is um, uh, you have to do this like a, a, an exam where it's a multiple question. And usually you're getting about 5,000 people, 4,000 people apply. And dental school on an average, they've got like 30, 40 places. And I applied to uh, wow. a medical school, a dental school, and a business school. Uh, all three where there was like this entry test. Uh, and at that time, you know, you're 18, you're unsure, okay, what's happening if I'm not going to get into that? So I was slightly confused at the time. So I did the test the day before on the, the medical in Naples. Uh, and there were so many people and it was so chaotic. Uh, and I said, I'm not going to do the dental Tests on the same city. I'm going to go elsewhere. So basically, I've picked like one that's supposed to be one of the quietest cities. <laughs> <laughs> Never think to get there. Uh, you know, uh, the nickname. Very smart. Very smart. Which is the city where I then went to university. Is like they call it like the city of chamomile because it's really laid <laughs> <laughs> back. It's very <laughs> mellow. Really, really mellow. Like you know, if you Italian are mellow, go there and you know. <laughs> You've got probably with insomnia, Brilliant. go there, you will easily sleep. Uh, <laughs> um, so I went in there, and in Paris, that was definitely less busy and chaotic than Naples. Uh, but then turned up that they got offered, I went into both the three schools where I applied. Uh, uh, but then I decided to do dentistry, and I had to be in that city, which was not what I would have chosen mm. uh, if I could, you know, choose. Yeah. I probably would have chosen like Naples, Milan, Rome, something more glamorous. Uh, but then now I went to Chieti, which I think it was great uh, and probably the right things at, at that age for me because I was 18, uh, mm. um, quite uh, enthusiastic of life. So having a city that was a bit more calm uh, probably was for the best. <laughs> mm. And obviously your family are, are in the, the medical profession, so you decided not to follow the, the medical path. What, what was the thing that, that sparked your interest in dentistry? Um, so my dad is an eye surgeon. Um, my mm. uncle is a dentist, but all, they're all doctor and dentist. And uh, I, I don't know, obviously, maybe their influence, but I always knew that they want to be in healthcare. So I, I, I feel that passion mm. of uh, helping people, which I'm glad that I still have got... Um, and um, and I was quite keen to do uh, medical school, but my dad was trying to advise me against that because he was saying one of his frustration during his career as a consultant in Italy is that he had to work with the public sector and he found that there was a lot of politics involved. And like he knew my personality, mm. knew that I'm not necessarily the best uh, in that type of environment. So he said, 
why you don't think about dentistry where you can still do what you like, but maybe in a private environment where you can control what level you want mm. to do. Um, mm. and, and, and in all fairness, I don't know why, but I follow my dad's advice, which usually you don't tend to do when you're 18. Uh, and I'm glad that I did that because um, uh, I, I, I'm really passionate about what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, um, mm. And uh, yeah, going back, I don't think I would have done anything different. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of artistry and flair about you. So personally, I think you suit dentistry better because there is a degree of artistry in dentistry that perhaps there might not have been so much in medicine. No, thank you mm. for, for that. I, I take that as a compliment. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was intended as one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think um, one of the challenges, and I feel for when you are 18 and you need to make a, a decision based on uh, you know what you don't really know because, yeah, more than like a work mm. experience or see a family, a friend, or someone that might inspire you that you don't even realize that you've been inspired. Uh, it's really difficult to make a decision about what are you going to do potentially for the next 20, 30 years of your life uh, without yeah, really knowing yeah. implications. I, I find that often yeah. uh, mm. um, we do get young guys here to the work experience with us, and often they like the subject more than uh, the work that then will be involved. So they mm. decide what to study but I didn't really understand the implication of what they have to do mm-hmm. day in and day out. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think again, for me, thankfully, it was the right decision. <laughs> mm. And I think it's hard because for young people in, in, in the UK schooling system, you know, you really need to be making those, those subject choices when you're yeah. 13, 14. And like you say, that's a big ask is, for somebody yeah. in their mid-teenage years to be choosing the right sort of subjects, which then gives you the entry point to the A-levels, which then gets you to apply to dental school. Especially yeah, that's, count back yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's not easy. So you qualified yeah. in, in Italy um, and then came to the UK. Before, before we get to your UK experience, what, what are the differences between kind of dentistry in Italy and dentistry in the UK? Are, are, are no, they similar or are they, are they wildly apart? So I always, you know, it's a question that I often get asked. And I always say, like, you know, in Italy, you've got the, you've got the peak. In Italy, you've got some amazing dentist, amazing clinician, great periodontist, really, really good school. Huh? But I've also seen probably the worst dentistry that I've ever seen when I used to work in Italy. Uh, in Italy, in some of the part, we still have got the problem where people are working illegally as a dentist, but they are qualified as a dental technician, mm. which is kind of almost unbelievable right. here. Huh? I'm not saying that because... You, you know, they don't have the skills because they might even have like a really good hand skills uh, to do the work, uh, mm. but obviously they don't have any degree or any formal qualification to do work illegally. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's a lot more like open market. Um, I would say one of the things with, which I prefer of Italy is that you feel that the, the, the equivalent of the GDC of the General Dentist Council uh, works to help the, the, the professionals right. uh, and try to regulate the professional from that aspect is not like a, a body that is kind of scared, the scary part of our job. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, especially we, we'll mm. get into that probably later, but when we are running the courses, you'll see that the, the new generation of dentists, uh, they practice defensive dentistry, and I'm sure that you heard that many times. Yeah. Uh, and that, heard, unfortunately, yeah. I think is going to also... 
we are going to pay for the, the, the level of dentistry because we are not really trying new technology. We are scared of being a pioneer rather than even. You do get some pioneers mm -hmm. that then they are really, really good. Mm -hmm. They invent new technique. They test new materials. Um, and it's a lot more difficult to do that in the UK. But then at the same time, obviously, that less regulated market uh, can create that peak down as well. It's all mm. private, mainly private. Yeah. yeah. I remember reading an article once years ago, and it said that, that there, uh, there were 220,000 dentists in Italy, of which the vast majority weren't dentists. And that sort of sits in with you on the fact they were saying there was a lot of illegal dentistry right, being yeah. done. At, uh, and they said it's once something they were trying to uh, clamp down on. Mm. But yeah. The other problem in Italy was that basically all of the doctors qualified before, uh, I think, 1989, uh, they were entitled to practice as a dentist as well. So you do have a lot of GP. Oh, they were doing wow. GP two days a week and dentistry three days a week. <laughs> Especially the ones that have qualified many years ago. Wow. So obviously that is not possible anymore and they're restricted, but they couldn't retroactive the law. Wow. Mm. That's quite recently, isn't it? Yeah. 1989. I mean, flipping heck. Yeah. So that, that's really a huge number of doctors then mm. who, who may practice dentistry. But like you say, very, very observational on your part that on the one hand, it sounds like it, it could be yeah. a bit like the Wild West and you're not quite sure who, who's going to be treating you. But then on the other side, the regulatory body is mm. trying to support the profession and, and encourage them to deliver dentistry, mm. which perhaps something that isn't isn't how dentists feel <laughs> yeah, about the GDC at the GDC, moment. Yeah. Let's run a full-page advert saying, how can yeah. you sue us? Mm. Isn't it? I think it was one of the things they did a couple of years ago, which yeah. went down really well. With and the other big difference yeah. in yeah. terms of the market is that uh, Italy is all private, huh? And again, until a few years ago, um, marketing was completely legal. Eh? So um, a lot of the work in there is word of mouth. Um, so you find a lot of dentists that they might have been uh, in the same place for many years, working mainly family and friends, and is getting also like a really generational. So you've got father dentist, son dentist, uh, and they stay within the family and they're mm. all dentists. Um, so in terms of, for example, of the business, it's a lot more difficult to run a business there uh, if you want to get an associate lead or if you want to set up a group because it's, all the goodwill is mm. linked to the person. Yeah. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah. So you decided to leave Italy 12 years ago. Yeah. This time you could speak no English. What, what was the draw to come to the UK? Why did you come? 90% of the time uh, is a girl. So <laughs> 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 I was in that 90%. Are you in the 90%? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, good, the nice part of the story is that is, she's my wife now. So <laughs> Oh, oh so it worked out well. It yeah. worked out well. It was a wasted journey. No. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I met my wife uh, back home. Uh, and uh, she was really, really uh, keen uh, to do postgraduate in UK. She really liked the UK. Uh, and I thought, you know, I was one of the youngest graduated my year. Um, I qualified two years earlier, basically. So I was 20, just 23. Um, and then at that point, I said, like, you know, I've never had like a gap year or anything like that. I'll take that almost as a gap year and go to UK. 
learn English if I want to improve and I want to do international okay. course, that will be essential anyway. Um, and then move to London. And I remember like, you know, that, you know, I was like a beginner, which I'm still out, but, uh, you know, my name is Alfonso. And there was like, the next question is, okay, what do you do? I am a dentist. And everyone would say, why are you a dentist and you're sitting in this English class and you're not working and making money? And I didn't really grasp that at the beginning. Yeah? And then speaking with more people, they were saying, look, there is quite big demand of dentistry in UK. Have you thought about working in UK as a dentist rather than mm. go back to Italy? And that is basically how I started. Right. Oh, wow. And interestingly, yeah. you're, you're based in Bristol because lots of people that come from overseas just get drawn to London, you know, Birmingham, Manchester, you know, the, the main cities. And but still you, you, you base yourself in Bristol. <laughs> it's the girl again. I've still been like four lower. <laughs> so now I did, uh, as, as you said, like everyone, I did uh, London first. And then when I apply, I got like the GDC registration and all the paperwork sorted. Uh, I had my first job offer in Lincoln. So I did like 10 months in Lincoln, huh? Um, and then wow. we moved to Bristol as my wife uh, got the postgraduate that was the original reason because we moved to UK um, offered in uh, Bristol at the Bristol University so then we, we decided to move to Bristol right wow. right right and difference to Lincoln yes that's right yeah 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 there's nothing wrong with lincoln but it's not no, a huge amount not, i can't imagine there's a massive i think it's not a huge amount it's almost like the city where i graduate like the camomile city that you know beautiful city castle castle and cathedral uh really really nice but yeah uh probably for me coming from london working in rome london lincoln was a yeah was a bit of a of a shock uh, but it was a nice experience. Yeah. <laughs> so still have got friends yeah. in there. Um, so again, definitely don't regret that part. Also in London, at the moment, you speak more Italian mm. than English. And I think so everything. When we were in London. <laughs> <laughs> so it made you learn. I, I think it was just me and the partner. Only Lincoln spoke Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So you went, you went to the barber once a week for yeah, conversation. Probably, probably if you went to an Italian <laughs> restaurant, it was probably... It's the reason because I lost yeah. my hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so for, for yeah. where we are now, you've got eight practices, is that right? So that that's a remarkable speed you're moving at from landing on, on the shores 12 yeah. years ago, you know, not being able to speak English, no, having to right. learn the language. Just, just when could, was the first I was one? going to say, yeah, could you just walk us through how you ended up kind of coming as a, a non-English speaking dentist in Lincoln to now being in Bristol to, to having um, only eight dental practices? Uh, again, I'm not the type of person that is like, you know, setting like a business plan and goal. I quite like, you know, live life, mm -hmm. meeting people, network, uh, and often, you know, follow my feelings. Uh, and in all fairness, this is how things develop. And so it's never been really kind of a, a plan. Okay, mm. I want to buy this amount of practice. I want to act it uh, at that stage. I mean, I'm still mm. 38. So, you know, I, I'm not really planning uh, an as I said earlier, I love dentistry. is one of those mm. things that I would still happily do um, 
for free if someone look after my bills. Um, um, so there have mm-hmm. been like opportunity along meeting people. Uh, I think, you know, education has been essential. So for me, one of the turning points has been uh, uh, the, the course at the UCL, the Eastman Diploma in Implant Dentistry, where I met like other colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I bought my first practice. Uh, and I always then realized that I really like the business part of dentistry as well. So I'm quite fortunate that I like both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think then I've been able basically to do both together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is why we've now got... yeah. Mm-hmm. And what year did what what year did Sorry. you buy your first one, Alfonso? Uh, Two thousand and thirteen. What year did you buy the first one? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're fortunate as well in joining the business side of things because we talk to to lots of mm. dentists and they're typically technicians. You know, they, they spend five years at dental school learning a, a very clinical technical thing. And very often people end up owning a dental practice because that provides them with, you know, arguably more security. You know, they're then in control of their environment, but they're reluctant business owners. So to hear you enjoying dentistry, but also the business side of things is is quite unusual. And I'm sure that's contributed to you growing this stable of, of eight practices because you obviously look for... No, 100%. Andy, I think like what you said is true because I see also, again, when we speak with... with colleagues, uh, delegates of the course, you almost see that people that are uh, see owning a practice as a pattern of a career uh, without realizing what's involved. Um, mm-hmm. So they say, okay, I you know, graduate with the associate job for a few years and then try to buy my first practice. Uh, but you know, the running of the practices here is completely different, for example, in Italy. As you said, it is a business. Uh, uh, and you need to understand uh, a bit of marketing, mm. a bit of uh, finance. You need to be able to, um, you know, HR. There are so many different skills that you need to have that is almost impossible. And definitely is nothing that has been uh, taught or even mm. discussed at the dental school. So, yeah, I feel quite lucky that that is also one of my interests. Uh, and kind of, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm good at that, but mm. I enjoy and become quite natural. I'm sure that you know my practice manager that will probably have a different mm-hmm. say, uh, um, but um, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other things, you know, I'm I'm the type of person that I really like to learn from my mistake, try to reflect. So uh, I've learned a lot in this almost ten years as a practice owner. Uh, you know, people that they know me, they, they mm-hmm. say that I've changed completely in terms of how I use. To run the business and how I run the business now, um, but again, from my side, no regret. I think it's something I'm happy of how things are going out. Mm. Mm. And and what's it like working in one of your practices? What what makes you and your practices different from others? Is it is it some of that kind of Italian culture? Is there some Italian flair in there that, that differentiates you from, from some other practices? What, what What's the thing that kind of makes them special? That has to be one of the <laughs> yeah. criteria. No, um, you, you know, like, I think when we spoke about in general acquisition, uh, it's getting more difficult. So the practice where I work most of the time, that is Queen Square in Bristol, uh, um, I think was one of the first practice in Bristol, first few practice in Bristol uh, 
where we were working with the multidisciplinary approach. Uh, and again, at the time was quite strange and people mm -hmm. did say that I was mad doing that. But again, probably coming from uh, um, Italy or I've looked like dentistry in the States in different places. I thought that that was kind of, in my view, the future to go in like specialists where everyone tend to do one things properly in the best mm -hmm. of their knowledge. Um, I thought, again, there was a lot of resistance because you were getting a lot mm -hmm. of patients saying, okay, but I'm coming because I want to see you. So why are you not doing my feeling? Uh, and then you had to explain, okay, would you go to your solicitor that does your mm -hmm. uh, commercial and get your uh, divorce? And they would say, no. So why would you want to do that with dentistry? And so you need yeah. to kind of educate people on that. Uh, and that, mm -hmm. in, in all fairness, I think is... Uh, pay off. Um, that is kind of the practice where I work most of the time at the moment. And what we have tried to implement across the groups is that uh, uh, maybe even without a specialist, but with a special interest, uh, uh, everyone try to mainly focus on what they like because we find that if you if you like something, uh, you're more likely to be good at that uh, and you're more likely then to uh, get the best mm, out of yeah, what you're doing. Yeah? Yeah. So, and I guess being a dentist when we are mm. uh, acquiring a practice, have that understanding rather than just look at the financial model, uh, um, I think that helps a lot. I strongly believe mm. that if you look after your patient and if you try mm. to do the best that you can of dentistry, the business part most of the time tend to follow. Um, and, and I think that is quite nice and an organic rather yeah. than something a bit officially inflated with the, I don't know, mm. a lot of marketing or numbers, mm. but then not really sustainable in the long term. Mm. Mm. It's interesting you say that our, our accountant has a phrase and he says money right. follows the event. And I think what you said is that if, you, if you're good at your business and you do mm. it well, you don't need to worry so much about the money. The money will, will yeah. flow from doing the right thing. Um, so what you've described there, is there a link between your ethos in terms of wanting specialists and a good range of clinicians and with your academy, the Delta Dental Academy? Was, were, were, they, were they linked in any way in, in trying to make sure that you've got you know, people that are well-trained and, and they're learning in, in uh, a particular way? Or was that something? Uh, that I, I think, again, it's one of those things on, that on side. was not thought about that, but obviously it's kind of now naturally becoming like that because uh, it's kind of almost working mm. in both ways where we're getting associates that they, they know that they've got an academy where they've got relatively easy access. So they end up then going to the academy and... Uh, take some courses in there, as well as uh, during the academy, we met a lot of uh, uh, really good dentists and then they've become uh, friends and colleagues and associates as well. So it's been kind of almost like a, a natural uh, mm. flow where the two things are now linked together. Right? Uh, but I think that the, really the, the common part mm -hmm. is finding people that are like-minded. So, you know, when you find someone that is coming to the course that want to progress, has got ambition, uh, and this is like how I am as a person, uh, then usually working together become like a consequence, become like natural, um, rather than, you know, mm -hmm. it's unlikely that we are the type mm -hmm. of practice we're going to attract to the dentist that is not really interested in postgraduate qualification or because it's not what we are after and probably... Yeah. They are not mm, after what yeah, yeah. we can offer, so they will not get the benefit of working with us. 
But I think it's being really selection. Yeah, I was going to say, I think being really clear about who you are and what you want is helpful for attracting the right sort of people. Because like you say, you, you're not yeah, rejecting definitely. people. You're just saying, we're probably not the right environment for you. Mm. There's probably a better place yeah. for you to go I think, and to be fair, a better place I always for you to say, go and work. Even when we're doing interviews, I think sometimes it's not about the right skill set or not, but it's about being the right person at the right time and be the right match. So, you know, I can get a clinician that they might be mm. amazing clinician, but they might don't fit with the ethos, with the value of the practice. Um, and as you say, you know, having that technical skills doesn't mm, necessarily yes, mean uh, that it's going to work at least for, but might work really well in another practice. No. Mm, yeah. So what's the specific your time then between your clinical time with patients, running the business, running the academy, having so, a life okay, outside of the question where if you ask me and my wife, you might get two different <laughs> we'll have to do another episode with her. Yeah. So I'm still doing quite a lot of clinical days. I'll do between three to four clinical days a week. Uh, and then mm -hmm. uh, the rest I'm doing teaching. So before oh, wow. COVID, I did a 31 weekend between lecture courses, uh, event. Um, and then again, in the same time, um, work almost as a clinical director uh, across the group. And it's funny that you ask this question is because just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were on this event where there were a lot of small groups, um, um, practice owners or clinical directors. And I realized that I was one of the only few that has got multiple practice that probably still does quite a lot of dentistry. Uh, yeah, it's quite unusual, but mm. I enjoy mm. yes, that unusual. and I'm lucky that I... I do 90% of my work is implant, which is what I really enjoy. Mm. So it will be difficult for me to, to let that go. Uh, mm. 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 And it will probably lose something. You know, the practice will lose something. Yeah. The practices will lose something by your, uh, by you losing something, if that makes sense. If you stop doing what you like doing, as you said earlier on, then the answer is your sort of potentially your enthusiasm changes, doesn't it? Because mm. no, you just become a pure business. No, I agree owner with you. And the other dentistry point dentistry is, I think it's also important to be credible. So what I mean, you know, if you don't do dentistry, it's a lot more difficult that you're going to an associate and say, mm. okay, why we don't do this in a different way or why we don't? Because, you know, you are not the first person to do. So you need to set the mm. sample and you need to also, you know, be there in order to understand the, the challenge. I mean, You'll see, mm. like, with this change after COVID or after, you know, if we are in a recession or not now, I'm not sure. But you'll see that the perception of the patient is changing. And me as a clinician, I feel that. So for me, it's a lot more easy to be mm. on the same side of all my other colleagues that are working with me and uh, try to be sympathetic and try to find the best way of, of changing some of maybe our way of working in order to react to changes rather than obviously if you're not there mm. you lose it and again even when i work as mm. opinion leader with some of these companies i i always say it doesn't matter the relationship or the financial aspect i would never feel comfortable uh, to promote a course or yeah i think that credibility of of the authenticity of making sure that everything joins up is so important it makes I a think, massive difference i think without that the danger is everything starts to unravel 
Um, So are you are you in the sweet spot at the moment? And by that, I mean, you know, you've got you're doing enough clinical dentistry. So you you enjoy what you're doing. You've got the time to to run the academy. Uh, Is is everything set up nicely? Or is there? Should we ask his wife? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or is there is is, is there, you know, are there are there more and bigger plans to come? And also, are you really disciplined? Because have you got any children? Uh, so to answer your first question, if you ask my wife, she will definitely disagree with the the, the definition of sweet spot as, <laughs> as it is. Uh, and yeah, I've got two daughters. Uh, yeah. So uh, so do you sort of carve out time that says this? You know, my Sunday or whatever it is is my my sacrosanct family day. Yeah. Right? Are you that um, organized? Uh, I, I guess like everyone, COVID and lockdown has uh, been a time to reflect mm. and have changed my mindset. Um, I mean, being Italian, uh, I, I'll i take a lot of time off during the summer. Um, so what I found that is a, is a relatively good balance that works for me is that I don't mind sometimes to work longer hours, but then I'll take longer time off. And I find that I get more recharge mm. from like three weeks off, for example, in August, uh, rather than have like some mm. hot days or, you know, go back home uh, at mm. 4.30 mm. rather than at 7. You know, when I go back home at 7, uh, my contribution home is still uh, really reduced because the day is almost gone. So mm. at that point, mm. if I go back at 7, mm. I go back at 8. It doesn't really make a huge difference. But then I might try to take, you know, the weekend where I'm not, answering the phone uh, and I spend time mm. with my my family uh, going to your mm. question Andy the sweet spot I personally feel almost the opposite because I think we are in that stage where uh, you know having several practice clinical days I'm almost in that size where I'm getting uh, a little bit too big to manage that in the spare time mm. um, and again thankfully really really busy with the patients uh, but I have to say that I'm really lucky that I've got a great team around me. And this was the other thing that I was saying earlier that has changed for me. Is I used to do almost everything on my own, but now I trust my team. I delegate a lot. And, um, um, and I've been amazed on the result that the team has been able to, to achieve uh, once mm. you give them the, the power and the trust. Yeah. yeah, I think once you learn how to properly delegate as opposed to abdicate, it's it's enlightening uh, because I think quite often we hold on to things ourselves because we think we're the best person to do it. Yeah, yeah. But if we never create the space for somebody else to shine, you never know what they can do. And no. when you pass things to other team members and you realise they do it 10 times better than you, you think, I've been a fool. I should have yeah. done that five like years ago. The way that I, we I did think. it with us, didn't we? Uh, yeah. And that, I think, has been, uh, you know, it's my strategy at the moment in order to try to obviously cope and juggle all these things that I've got around uh, uh, is having a great team and uh, and fantastic support. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Makes but, a difference. Oh, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking that Chris and I seem to only have seven days in the week. So I don't know what Alfonso's week looks like. You must have like eight or nine days squeezed in there because you're still squeezing. Um, I think it's amazing that you're still doing three, four clinical days a week because we see lots of principals who only have a single practice who would still only work three or four clinical days a week. Italian so, people stay up a lot later, don't they? Because they eat later. So yeah. that's probably what it is. You've probably got it inbuilt that really, hey, until it's nine, I'm not interested. In I'm still working. And then I'm getting in my dinner. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there must be real efficiencies in in how you go about it to to make sure that yeah everything everything kind of stays and you must be quite shape. mellow. You must sort of have, you, you know you can't have what you've got and be one of those guys that is like constantly on ninety seven percent of. Uh, of adrenaline because otherwise you'll just go nuts <laughs> and die won't you really? you'll yeah. be really grumpy and everyone will hate you. You, you you must be quite sort of like relaxed to a certain degree as well which is like you know i'll do what i do and then i can't really do much more than what i can do and i'm not going to get stressed about all yeah that. i mean that is basically what i've learned over the time you know i've learned that you know i've only got your hand mm. I've, i still have seven days a week <laughs> and <laughs> And, and those are the days and those are the hours. So I can only try to control as much as I can. And I think, you know, like as long you're mm. comfortable, you're doing your best, you try to uh, your best every day. I don't think that uh, there is any regret. Uh, I, I mean, still uh, mm. making a lot of mistakes and there are things that I might not be able or manage to do. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'm definitely accept that and I'm not try to fight with the clock. Mm. 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 And and how Good. how do you relax and wind down and, and take it easy? You, know, you 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 said obviously going back to Italy, you know, you obviously got family and friends back there, but but what's kind of your 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 method to make sure that you kind please, of get balance in there? Me you've got Vespa. Yeah. Or uh Oh, there we go. Good, man. And uh, if you've got a nice Alfa Romeo, I'll Plus, get a full house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I mean, you know, as I said, uh, time, time with the family, you know, having uh, uh, young kids like three and six, they really helped me to switch off, you know, that uh, and be both girls. So I go mm. home and we'll play. They'll put like, you know, nail varnish, makeup, uh, yeah, my yeah, mind yeah, away yeah, from dentistry. Um, I like, you know, socializing and spend time with friends and family. That is definitely something that helps. Uh, mm. One of my main passion is I like sports. So I play a bit of tennis. I'm really a big fan of Napoli football. So I watch Napoli all oh, the games. Okay. Um, and that is really is enough for me. But I find that uh, speaking with people uh, often not even... Uh, within dentistry uh, and learn from other people that is something that helps to take my brain away from what I'm doing yeah? but at the same time mm. more energy mm. <clears throat> good. Mm. Good. yeah well fascinating it, it, it's it's working for you what, what, whatever method you've yeah, got yeah. what I also like as well is that you know there's so many people online kind of banging on about how you should run your life and you must get up at five o'clock in the morning and you must be doing this and must be doing that you seem to work your own system that works for you and i think more people should look at themselves Find their own yeah, and agree, work yeah. out the system that works for them and if that's not what everybody else is doing that is completely fine because if it works for you it works for you mm. and the system that you've got you're still doing a lot of clinical dentistry that i'm sure some people would find challenging but you're doing long days but you've also built into that holidays and relaxation and family time so mm. it's I, I think people should mm. yeah, learn i mean learn i think it's important everyone sure. need to again ultimately i think we often have to worry about how other people they perceive us and you know like I have to say that even when sometimes you know, people, they say, okay, how do you get to the success that you're getting? Uh, I don't even perceive that I've got success. But, and I'm really relaxed about that. Mm. I mean, I don't perceive that as a problem. Huh? So I don't say, I oh, know, I don't think I've done enough. Huh? 
Mm. And I've got this anxiety that I have to do more. Yeah? Mm. But at the same time, I don't feel that I've done anything special. I mean, I've just done what what's happened and I, I'm, mm. I'm happy. Um, again, like everyone during life, we are making mistakes and we need to learn from our mistakes and no regrets on that. Uh, mm. But I am where I am and I'm grateful and pleased. Um, and, and, and hopefully the future is going to bring even more but if not i still be happy mm. yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. you you said you know the the practices you never had an ambition to have eight practices but you met really good people and you know some of these kind of stepping stones just kind of uh, were before you and you 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 stepped in the right place do you have a five ten year plan you know if we if we talked in five seven years time do, do you do you know what that future looks like yet or um, is it quite organic it's quite organic huh? uh, at the moment i've got two three quite nice project ongoing huh? um i think one of the big that at the moment i'm quite intrigued is uh get a bit more international uh maybe you know open uh more oh, yeah. side somewhere else um, I, I quite like again. I, I find uh, my brain need to be, need to be challenged. So I like to see different things, see how other culture, other people they are thinking. So at, at the moment, I'm quite interested to to explore how international this market could be. Uh, but I've got like yeah, other project, uh, but not necessarily an yeah. end goal. I'm not thinking, okay, in 10 years, I'm going to retire or I need to make X amount of money. Mm. Because for me, again, money is not the end goal. Yeah. The, the mm. money is is, uh, is something yeah. that helps me and my family to live as best as we can. Yeah. But mm. it's not the end goal. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's got to be about enjoyability, hasn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. It's got to be like... Yeah, I like doing that yeah. as opposed to oh, I can't yeah. do that. I think what, what what strikes me is interesting. We speak to, to lots of dentists and, and dentists that have, have originated overseas and come to the UK seem to be more fearless. There seems to be a fearlessness yeah, yeah, yeah. about overseas dentists where, you know, I can do more. I can go to other countries. Whereas I think quite often, you know, the UK is, is an island and I think quite often there is this can sometimes be mm. small island thinking in that you don't necessarily appreciate how I, big those I opportunities are. I also think it's are. the fact you, I think when you look at any, anyone that from overseas, they've actually made the decision to come here, mm. you know, so, so you've, you've gone somewhere mm. and you know that you've got to sort of get on with stuff as opposed to you've sort of been here. It's, uh, it is fascinating. I think a lot of the guys who come from overseas are much more, as you say, fearless. Yeah, and like, I think yeah, there's I a can fearlessness. Just do this. I can get on with it. It's fascinating. Yeah, which I think a lot of people can learn from. Yeah, definitely. We always ask our guests the same two questions as we come to the end. And the first question we always ask is, if you could be a fly on the wall with somebody in a certain situation, what, what situation would you like to be in? Where would that be and with who with? Um, obviously, I know the podcast. I know the question. And I've been thinking that. It's a really difficult question. Um, I definitely would like to be... Um, I mean, a couple of things probably out of this conversation. Sometimes I would like to be in the GDC room to see how they decide sometimes then sending a spy to a, a dental practice can be beneficial for the public. Um, so that might be that from a professional point of view. More As a personal point of view, uh, probably, you know, maybe 
in the Ferrari office when they're planning uh, a strategy for the next season, something like that. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. fascinating, yeah. not necessarily about the, the, the cars, but just about high caliber people of how they can uh, think and then execute something uh, uh, quite sophisticated. Uh, I, 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 mm. I quite like to see that aspect. Yeah, now that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. And if you had the opportunity to um, to meet somebody and sit down and have a, a coffee or, or, or lunch with that person. Uh, living or dead, f- fictional or non-fiction, so whoever you fancy. So that one, I think I, I have to say to be, otherwise they don't let me go back to Naples. So you have to say Maradona. <laughs> 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 you you know his history with English yeah. football team, but don't you? Yeah. Like, you know, live or dead, fiction. I mean, he's got a bit of everything that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From yeah. English Although team, I did uh, listen to yeah. a podcast the other day with Gary Lineker, and and Gary Lineker was saying that uh, he was without doubt the most incredible player he ever played against. Mm. He said he was he was ridiculous how good yeah. he was. I mean, I would. I, I think he's hand in the air. Yeah. Leave that aside, but I'm saying in terms of as a person, uh, obviously it's quite sad all mm. the story, but he had really yeah, interesting yeah. story. Because starting from, uh, you know, really poor area of Buenos Aires and then be almost at top of what he was doing uh, and then go down again with the drugs and then go slowly up. I'm sure that uh, he's got a lot of mm. fun mm. fact that he, he could share. <laughs> I yeah. bet he could. I bet he's got yeah. some stories. <laughs> I, 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 I bet he does. Alfonso, it's been absolutely delightful. Thank you very yeah, much brilliant. indeed for Thank your time. You. I think the stuff you're doing is great. I think people will, will take a lot from it. I think they'll be as inspired as we are. And hopefully they'll take some, some tips from it as mm. well in terms of how they can just make some tweaks and adjustments to how they operate. Mm. Thank you very much for the invite. It's, it's been really, really a pleasure. Really uh, and again, hopefully someone finds this helpful. But... Uh, in the meantime, I really enjoyed Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.